You're now listening to SJN Fun, where artists, directors, founders, and investors talk about their latest projects and share a little fun story from their lives. Let's go. In episode four, we talked to two brilliant minds in the gaming industry, Dana and Rue from Ready at Dawn Studios. Rue is the founder of Ready at Dawn Studios, which has produced some of the most amazing games such as God of War and The Order 1886. These games have gone on to win many awards. Recently, they have launched an immersive VR game called Lone Echo and Echo Arena on Oculus Rift. This is the first VR esports game that will be featured on international stage with a prize pool of $200,000. We'll first be hearing from Rue and then Dana, the design director at Ready at Dawn Studios. The first question that I kind of wanted to ask, uh, again, just on record, um, how did how did you guys first uh, come up with the idea of Lone Echo and Echo Arena? So Lone Echo first. Well, first there was okay. No, so here l- l- let me actually put it this way: there was no lone echo. There was no. I think what VR was for us very early on was an exploration of, of something that uh, that we felt was worthwhile doing. It was more of a, you know, what what could we do in this medium that hasn't been done? What are the things that actually uh, you know that, that we need to barriers we need to break? And Dana talked about it actually at the panel earlier. And he said something very important. The, the very first thing that the boundary that he came across was, you know, like that, you know, I'm in VR, but I cannot enjoy this. There's something there that I need to prove, that I need to go beyond, that I need to find a solution for. That solution spawned uh, what, I, what we called, actually, at the time, like we can tell you guys, uh, to tell you now, it wasn't called Lone Echo, it was called Ascendant. Ascendant was the start of the project, and it was a space game because the movement model was about being zero gravity or microgravity. Since there is no zero gravity, I will call it microgravity. <laughs> uh, so uh, that, that spawned the actual project, which was, all right, this is going to be a game that takes place out in microgravity. What is that game? And that, that, that movement model basically spawned all the other ideas. The movement model actually, in so many ways, spawned a genre of game. And that is actually, I think other people have said it, it's the first genre of um, solely VR game. You couldn't do what we do anywhere else, right? And that was really the genesis of just the, spo- the, the, the of the idea. But beyond that, of course, Lone Echo Arena. If you want to sure. talk I mean, about that, that's pretty interesting. That the the starting point wasn't really like a crystallized goal of like we're going to make this type of game because we just didn't know anything about VR. <laughs> I mean, the little that we knew about VR was from probably personal experiences that we had had. Like you know, at the keynote they showed the old arcade stuff in the '90s. Like I'm very familiar with that. Or, like, as a hobbyist in the '90s, I would hack together like stuff like you know to try to build power gloves and stuff that could interface with my PC so I had some idea of like inputs and stuff that were kind of you know in the realm of VR yeah but, like, modern day VR I just don't think we were really aware of what what was not just limitations but I think the what was also what would be a good fit for that yeah. and I think that's really where looking at what others had done and kind of getting familiar with the hardware and the experience of VR told us a lot more about like what we should try to do with it than I think just kind of not approaching it with like the eye of like let's 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 suspend what we think we know about it 
let's actually dive in there and figure out what is a good fit for VR. Like, I think our, that approach was very healthy for us in that it allowed us to really take away concrete things that we thought we should make all of our decisions around as we designed the game and, and even just developed it so that we knew that everything kind of fed a, a, a set of parameters that we thought would make a good VR experience. That's a... Those are some terrific answers I just got from both of you. <laughs> On the record. Um, and, and, and as we as we start to see the progression, you guys are at the helm and at the foundation of the start of VR esports. And and for you guys to be in this position, partnering up with Oculus and Intel and ESL in launching the first ever uh, International VR esports tournament. What does that mean for you guys? Kind of being at that foundation. Uh, wow. Uh, I mean, again, like the tricky, tricky thing is, is I think we didn't plan on it. We didn't expect it. This wasn't a game that was put together to achieve that goal. But I think the the funny thing about it is that everybody who played it, whether it was before beta, while in development, that that esports thing would come back, and our answer would always be even internally. To, in, to actually Intel wasn't part of it at the time, ESL wasn't part of it, it was between us and Oculus, and the answer would always be like, let's not put that word out there yet. You know, we still have a lot of work to do. Let's, put, let's, not, let's, let's not go there yet, we'll see how it turns out. And then, you know, of course, the interest that Intel put into the, it and ESL, you know, was almost a, all right, are we really doing this? And because, as you said, it wasn't done before, so it, there was no expectation, but there also there was no there were no rules about like how do we launch something that now requires a lot more than like all right you're playing a tournament with your PC or your console. We need to basically set this up. Who are the players? Like who are who are the players? How are the players going to play? Especially because the barrier of entry is like you know you make sure that they have an Oculus. You know all of those things became kind of almost uh, all right. Well, we got to trust the community that they're going to basically gravitate towards it. The good thing for us is that that community built from the beta onwards. Right. The moment we we went beta. They gravitated towards it. We we had this kind of very, I would say, positive, thriving, and and helpful community, which is actually very rare to find very early on like that. And and it was awesome to see how they basically kind of took this as their own game. That became the foundation, I think, for us to actually have more and more belief that there would be you know life with the, you know this game as as a VR as a VR esport. And finally launching it, I think for us it's it's cool because. It kind of goes along the, the 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 same thinking that this company has had for for a long time, which is we've done different things, we've uh, we've tackled new problems with every game we've actually approached, new hardware, new genre. We've always done that, and the funny thing is, even VR esports, the thrilling thing about it is that it's our mentality, but it's something that we don't know, and that was also the challenge that actually was really cool. It's like, look, we have never done this, but hey, we got good partners doing it, we got a good game. And ultimately, it's only the start, so we're actually looking forward for the next few months to see how really this grows from today onwards. Mm. Do you do you feel a sort of pressure maybe on you guys uh, internally, kind of uh, on setting uh, high quality standards? Uh, because for me, being part of media, I see you guys as the leaders and kind of the uh, voice that is going to put VR esports on the map. Personally, that's kind of how I see it, where you guys have to kind of take that lead. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but do you feel a certain pressure? I guess, I guess not really. <laughs> not, not trying to, not of arrogance or anything, but I think, I think we're just at the beginning, like you said, and I feel like 
I we didn't aspire for it to become this like esports leader thing. It's really I don't really know if it really is or not. Um, but we were just trying to create a game that people would like, and, and I think it was just interesting to see, like to his point, it kind of take off in a way that we didn't really expect or intend. Um, and so I, I feel like maybe if we were going to try to continue to outdo this game, there's a big pressure because it's like you know now it becomes a competition just from a development standpoint. I'm sure other people who are going. That's cool. I want to do some of that. You know, if they start making games and then we're competing with them, then there's going to be tons of pressure. So if it, I think it'll be just good for VR, I guess, if it does, you know, create this competition where we are stressed out about whether or not this game is going to be king of the hill or something like that. But you know, at this point, I think we're just enjoying the fact that people are liking what we made and that we've created something that users can connect and get together and have a good time. And, and it, it, if anything, we're just trying to do our best to try to, you know, legitimize the VR platform and the effort that we put into it because I think that's the key takeaway for me is like I see so much potential in, in this and what it can do for people to transform it to actually get in their experience. You know, even the lobby, like I can just sit there all day and have fun with people I don't know in the lobby, um, so that others can understand what's really like magical about this thing. Um, so if this is something that becomes a lightning rod for that discussion, great. Um, if somebody like comes up with a better version of this later, it's like cool. It, it, it doesn't really bother me, yeah. We just need to basically have more stuff. I think more people actually doing bigger things, breaking barriers. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, VR esports, uh, locomotion, the type of games we made, storytelling, uh, sports game, you know, and all that. All of those are like only a few of the thousands of, you know, kind of uh, challenges that are still ahead of VR. So we really, as, as you said, and as Dana actually said again, like we're still at the very beginning. If this becomes just a, like, Whatever it is, a milestone, a stepping stone, whatever it needs to be, it'd be cool to see. Like, I can't wait to play the next cool thing. Like, if somebody brings up like a really cool sports game or a really cool, whatever, a really cool story game, a different genre of game, a new genre to VR, I'm just excited because it's 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 amazing how much new stuff you actually not only discover developing, but you discover while playing as well. Uh, being being a developers, storytellers, content creators in this new spectrum of VR. Do you guys do you guys notice a trend of other big studios kind of uh, venturing forth into this VR space creating content? Um, do you think it's going to happen in the near future where we see more and more uh, companies align? Uh, a lot of people kind of see it as a fluke right now, but what are your thoughts on, on that whole subject? Yeah, that's a tricky one. I think a lot of, uh, even internally as a studio, we always talk about like what, what is the future of VR? You know, beyond our interest, beyond our passion, where's the passion outside? Who's, who's really gonna carry this forward? And I think, yeah, I think there's gonna be more, more company teams. I mean, we saw this morning with Respawn's announcement, you know, uh, here's, here's, you know, a team that we love that basically now is basically you know dipping their toes into into the VR pond. Uh, there are other teams. I mean, Insomniac has been there with us from the very beginning. Uh, I know that we hear other people saying like, "Wow, you know what, what you guys are doing is really cool. We'd love to take a look at that." I've I've heard from a lot of companies that you wouldn't put in that mold, uh, where they themselves have expressed interest in doing it. Everybody's going to have that time and their barriers that need to be crossed before they get in. There are some that are there very early on, as as like kind of as we're basically getting our legs, our walking legs, almost you know into VR. Some are going to come in basically in the middle of it when the market is still not grown. Some other companies are going to wait until the market's actually big enough. But we need people at every one of those steps. You can't just basically say like, look, we're all going to wait. It's going to be big. We're all going to wait. But when it's big, we're all there. It's never going to happen. Yeah. But what's cool is that that mentality now is being seen. Like, you know, 
Yes, we might have been there very early on. Response are coming in right now. There's going to be more companies coming in in the next year, two years, three years. And I can't wait to even like see 10 years from now because it's hard to imagine what VR could be because it's so new and nobody can tell. Like At this point, there's not a single person in the world, doesn't matter if you're Oculus or anything, that can tell what VR truly will do in the world. Agreed. But there is one thing that is absolutely true and it's what uh, you know Mark said this morning, the social aspect of it. What, you know, Echo Lo like the lobby did, what the game, the sports game, you know. Even in some ways, what the Lone Echo story has done. Lone Echo is also a social experiment. You versus a human that is artificial. Mm -hmm. All of that social side of what VR brings you is one thing that is a definite from here to the future. That is going to be one of the big driving forces, I think, of like whatever happens to actually this medium. What are, what are your uh, I was excited when I knew Epic was making Robo Recall and the uh, yeah, Eagle Flight guys, from Ubisoft. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, there are some big players who are jumping in there and making some experiences that I found, you know, really engaging. So, yeah, the announcement, like Ruth said, about you know Respawn jumping in and even they were saying like Disney and Pixar, right? Like that gets me excited. Um, I'm really still excited about all all the indie projects that come out constantly uh, on, on different VR platforms because I feel like we talked about that at the keynote as well. Like. I think a lot of surprising things will come from that sector that will motivate bigger studios like, you know, bigger, I'll say that in air quotes, like ours even, um, than some like small, like, you know, one or two man teams to take notice of like, oh my God, we never thought about that, right? That's incredible. That, that inspires us. And like, you know, you were talking about us being kind of maybe seen as leaders or something like that. I look at us as really followers. Really what we've been doing is we... We've been looking at what others are doing and drawing inspiration from that and then thinking, what's the next challenge? What's something about this that nobody else is tackling yet? Or maybe others are, but we have a unique perspective that maybe we can approach it a certain way. Um, and that's where maybe some innovations will come from. But I feel like it's exciting because we're all at the ground floor on this one, right? This technology at a, at a, at a time where it's also accessible to work on at different scales, like from AAA all the way down to any development. And that it's kind of a level playing field in terms of what's going to actually stick out as that thing where it's like that was that was the moment when VR VR changed, right? And it's anybody's guess as to where that comes from at this point, which is cool too. And yeah, I mean it, it's really exciting times and even Bethesda, right? They're they're uh, releasing some of their they're porting some of their games uh, to you know the VR platform. And also now we're seeing a huge emergence of companies releasing VR hardware where we're seeing uh, Windows mixed reality platforms coming out. You see Google's trying to release standalone VR headsets with HTC and uh, Lenovo, and then uh, Oculus's announcement with uh, Oculus Go and you know their project with Santa Cruz. It's just really amazing in a competitive field. It almost feels like we're back in the early 90s where we saw Sega's Genesis and all these companies uh, emerging, but now we have the main platforms being uh, Xbox and PlayStation and maybe Nintendo, you throw them, you know, kind of a little below, but they're still around. Um, do you guys see that sort of trend happening in uh, in the VR field, do you think, in the future? Yeah. I feel like we're more somewhere instead of like the Nintendo days to like the era we have today of cell phone tablets where there's a there's still a plethora of different like variants of that hardware, right? And they, they hit different markets for like, oh, I want something that small fits in my pocket. Oh, I want something big enough that I can actually do real work on it. Oh, I want the Apple version. I want the Samsung. I want the Windows version. It's like there's kind of little slight tweak differences for everybody, but we offer like a variety of solutions to that problem. But the 
experience that you have on them is very similar, right? So whereas like from like a Game Boy to like a Sega CD is a pretty big difference in the game that you might be getting. Um, arguably, some people might say the Game Boy is better, obviously, which it probably was. <laughs> but but I think the thing here is whether it's on Gear VR or like the, the um, Oculus Go, I think we're trying to capture a similar set of things that, that is what makes VR shine and make sure the user gets a quality experience out of that across different types of kind of like, it looks almost like price points, right, and entry kind of uh, friction levels, right? It's like, you don't have a PC, don't worry about it. This middle one might suit you and you get pretty much the same thing, save for some of this stuff, but you, you can get in and you can understand, again, I keep saying the word magic, what's magical about VR and, and not have to feel like you're risking a lot of money to, to try that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's going to continue that way. I think at some point, sure, they might consolidate because you might get to a point where it's like the user has too much anxiety over which option to choose. It's like, oh man, there's a hundred of these. What do I go with? And you see that with any product. At some point, they have to go like, no, there's the MacBook and the MacBook Pro. Stop having all the other ones in the middle because it's just confusing people. Yeah, I think you, you, there is definitely you know like the convergence of technology. I mean, we've seen this happen with like uh, Xbox and PS4 right now, right? Uh, PlayStation actually went through iterations of being you know, very specifically built as a closed system that actually uses components that actually were their components that weren't used anywhere else to uh, PS4 basically being, you know, a system that actually uses a graphics card that actually, again, is similar across the board, memory is similar, the CPU is similar. Like now you see that actually that convergence is going to happen. So yes, there, there will need to be some of that happening and it's already kind of there. We're not so far off that it's like, okay, it's completely different stuff. There are games that are being played, you know, on one platform that actually Played on the other. Our game, our game. I mean, we have a we have a bunch of people actually that are playing on Vive, basically that are, that that we see and we we've talked to that are playing on Vive. So the reality of it is that that is happening in any case. I think that that sharing is happening. What's interesting about it is is finding out truly what VR means. When it first started, everybody was just hailing the 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 visual presence of VR. Everybody was talking about like you don't understand. You look around and you're there. That goes away really really fast. That actually. It's cool, but then you kind of go like, all right, then what is presence? What is truly presence? And presence, I'll tell you, we still don't know fully what it is, but one of those barriers was crossed when the first controller came out. Then I, touch was a mass, massively. The moment touch did what something that you're used to doing in real life could do in, in VR, that was almost the moment where you actually validate VR from being, uh, like from what people were saying was only a visual thing to actually truly being immersive. Just looking around is not being immersive. Immersive being like, immersive means even if I don't touch anything, I feel like I'm there. You know why? Because I could touch that. I could feel like I'm like, oh, you know what? That's the floor and I can feel it. What's gonna be cool about VR and the next generation is not so much how many people do it across the board, how many vendors and all that stuff are gonna come in or how many manufacturers. It's gonna be who else actually thinks of the next thing that is going to make VR that much more immersive. Exactly. The sm no, smell of vision. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> there you go. I mean, the thing is that, like, what else are we? What else do we expect that we don't have yet? The tactile feel is awesome right now. I mean, the, the touch controllers are. I mean, our game is built around it, really. And and you, I can't wait for that to get better. Yeah. That's that, that's, that's what. Where, I, that's where. Yeah. yeah. For me, like tactile feel, like there's right. certain things Getting that I'm the waiting. Individual fingers and yeah. the ability to actually sense that I touch that yeah. is going to be a big Soft deal. Soft hats, partners, yeah. all of that. You know, where you go like, oh, I just squished that thing. I actually did. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That's something that's yeah. pretty hard. That, that's amazing. Oh man, that's just mind blowing. This future, just thinking oh, about God. that. But that's that's where what VR is so magical about. It's like. We're literally at the first steps, and every single step is not going to be about resolution or this or that or 
it's really going to be about like how much more can I feel like I live in that world and I think some people will call it like but that's really scary because people will feel like well now I don't want to live in the real world but I think that you know again Mark this morning said it best it's like it isn't about you know replacing life it's about experience experience things that things that you could never experience and that's just beyond magical that is something that like we could offer literally the whole world at one point that is like I mean there's no price to that mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, there is, there is a price, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 399 There you go. <laughs> okay, and uh, two, two other questions. If during your guys' development stage of uh, creating Echo Arena and Lone Echo, uh, what, what, was there any interesting or fun uh, mistakes you guys made on the way that, that uh, you can kind of share? Yeah. Like, you want all the mistakes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of them in hindsight yeah, as being fun mistakes. Fun mistakes? Uh, I mean, an interesting one is, like, we we took really seriously the um, the main kind of, like, story arc of our game, which is something that um, our team, at some point, we had, like, a, a milestone where you could play through the whole game from getting in, in a very rough format, just so that everybody could get a feel for where the game was going. And we, we solicited feedback from everybody at the studio to go like, what do you think of it? How do you, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? And like, unanimously, people were like, I don't really like the way the game ends. And you're like, oh boy, we got a problem. Because the way a game ends is usually kind of built upon what happens in the beginning, the middle, and then the end. Yeah. And so we said, well, we'd, we don't just want to keep barreling forward with this. We, let's take it and sit down and tear it apart and see if we can make a better ending that's more satisfying. Because, you know, for something that you feel like you've put all this time and, and you're actually are experiencing this there's a huge like attachment vested interest in VR to something that is compelling and present like that I'm really doing this so at the end you're like man that unsatisfying ending is even more unsatisfying when you think it's real or you, you know you attached to it you're very attached so yeah we, we redid like the whole ending to our game yeah well right multiple times um, and just because it, it's it's a hard thing to do but the right thing to do and I don't know how many people would go like for what for what we were attempting to achieve with the new ending, I think some people have been like, that's not that big of a deal. Don't retool everything. But I think for VR, it, it was more serious to us. And so we, we said, let's do it. Well, I can give you another one, actually, that originally wasn't a mistake, but that turned into something that actually talk about something fun and kind of eye-opening. It, uh, it was, we talked about it earlier, writing. And when we started writing and, uh, you know, put words in not only the character's mouth as like Jack, as who you are, but also in, uh, in the NPC that's in the game in Live, we had the focus test the first time and that kind of notion that what we wrote, which we totally don't see on paper, we wrote things like dialogues and, and things that she would say that felt totally normal. And for most people to basically go from like, I don't like her, I don't, I don't like what I'm playing against, she's, she's really mean to me and all that stuff. I mean, we, we, we went from, from there, which was almost like a kind of revelation, but also like a, oh my God, what are we gonna do? She's a bitch. Like, our NPC that is supposed to be the person that's gonna be with you for the whole game is a real bitch. And, yeah. and by the way, and by, like the thing is that the actress totally did not play it like that way. There was nothing in there to make her feel like that. But the perception was that she's a bitch. And I had to actually say that to her, like kind of like, you know, they kind of don't really like you. And not to say, but to kind of give her the idea of like why we were rewriting stuff that she had already recorded. But you know what's really kind of like scary is that we thought that that would be like the end, like the worst we could go to and any improvement from there would be better. But actually what ended up by happening is that we rewrote, we rewrote stuff. 
we rewrote it in a way where we felt, okay, now she doesn't sound so bad and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we put it in there, it's like, okay, like we were really down in the dumps, right, with her being a bitch. <laughs> it's going to be so much better. Then we found out actually, again, to our surprise, it's like, actually, no, it wasn't. Because then the reaction we got was actually something that is even way worse than people having an adverse reaction to somebody. And that reaction is, I don't really care. Oh. <laughs> and we had players really go like, yeah, no, I didn't bother about what she told me. It wasn't like they, they were saying like, I'm not listening to her because she's a bitch. They were basically saying like, I'm not listening to her because it's just not she's just not interesting. <laughs> so now we were like, wait, 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 wait. We thought we had already gone far down the rabbit hole and this sucked and they were getting better. And now suddenly we're like, no, no, now this is even worse. At least we got a reaction out of them before. Uh. And that's what turned all of us to writing. I mean, oh my God, we wrote so many things. Like the writers actually at, at, at work, those guys went through iterations and iterations to the point where it was just like, really? Like we got to do this again? But we did. And the passion carried it through to the point where we went like kind of like where we thought was low. We went way lower. And then the, the good thing about it is that the, the, we, got, we basically climbed that, that valley and we went to the kind of somewhere, not to the top of the mountain. There's a lot more to do. But we started climbing that mountain and we started realizing like, no, 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 we're getting there, we're getting there. And walking away with something where we know what we went through, but now we see the players kind of go like, oh my God, I felt so bad when I, I thought that I, you know, I didn't save Liv and I woke up and I felt like maybe, maybe I killed her. And I was like, oh my God, okay, okay, that is cool. That's an amazing feeling to get back from the players. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a really cool story to hear how, how that story side kind of got developed uh, for the game itself. That's, that's really interesting. Um, and, and so for the last question I had, um, this is kind of an opinion question. Uh, when, uh, when do you see massive consumer adoption happen for VR? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, I definitely think massive is when it's affordable. I think that's a huge problem. And I think we're, we're continuing to see steps in the right direction, right? They keep trying to talk about how to make it cheaper. Um, obviously, the more they make, the more that prices come down for manufacturing and all that stuff. But I think at some point, it's got to be somebody doesn't actually even have to question, like, should I try this or not? Because it's not like this big economical decision. I don't know. I, I feel like that's the big thing. I mean, video games, right, were that problem for a long time. Like, if you can only play a game on a computer, that's a huge barrier to entry, right? And then when you get down to, like, Nintendo, where it's, like, a couple hundred bucks, there's still a lot of people who can't afford that. I mean, Agreed. let's be honest. Like, we... We're fortunate enough to live in a world where a lot of us, you know, especially working in the tech industry, we, you know, we buy these things because, you know, it's, it's part of like, one, we enjoy them, but our livelihood as well. So we're very tech savvy and we're willing to put some of, you know, our money into it because we, we get the value of it. But for somebody else, you know, like, unless one day when VR becomes the kind of thing where you just walk down the shelf and you go, oh, look, uh, you know, like food processor, you know, action figure. VR, okay, you just drop it, you know, in your cart from Walmart. Maybe then we'll have like the billions of people getting into this thing. I feel like that's huge. I, I don't know. I don't meet anybody who says I wouldn't try VR if you gave it to me for free. I haven't met that person yet. Uh, and actually, all of our focus is we ask a lot of people that question. Money is the first thing that comes up. It's really expensive. The second thing that I find that interesting that comes up is there's this notion that until their favorite like uh, developer or publisher puts their favorite IP game onto the platform. They don't want to risk buying it. And again, risk because it costs a lot of money. And I asked a lot of them, what do you mean by this? I said, well, until Final Fantasy is on a headset or Call of Duty, I don't, I just, I don't know, these other games, I may not like them. And I know I like those games, so at least I'll have that, and it'll be good on VR. I said, why do you assume that that's going to be good on VR? And that started a really interesting dialogue. There's a false, false conception that 
a game that works great on the consoles that they understand that are traditional will also be great in VR. And I said, what do you think it's going to be like to play Call of Duty where you're actually the soldier? Uh, and a lot of them were like, you're right, that's going to be really tense. And I, oh, man, I'm going to have to be like looking all around. It's going to be a lot of, I'm going to be exhausted. I said, you may like that. That might be really cool because, you know, I'm excited about that, but I'm also into that kind of that game. Yeah. They were like, maybe I won't like that. And I said, isn't it interesting that some of the experiences and the things that are on VR that you've never heard of are right now some of the things that you're saying are the most impressive, the most magical, and you would never see those or find them on a console. So it opened their minds up a little bit to the, the kind of discovery of what VR is about, and I feel like that might be just something that other people have weighing over them too. It's like, I don't know if, it, if I don't have my Uncharted, am I going to get <laughs> VR? Good point. There's certain things that people are accustomed to, and oftentimes I think that you know, we look at gaming as being this, uh, this closed environment that you know, we chase after the same people for the same things. But the reality of it is absolutely not like that. We saw gaming change over the last 10, 15 years from what social became, from mobile and all that stuff. It's not always the same players that actually expect something new. So to Dana's point, I agree. You know, it's about, it's about the affordability of it, the, 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 the fact that people will not see that as a barrier at all. I mean, it's already basically those barriers, as you said, it's, it's getting better and better and better with, with time. Uh, secondly, yeah, we're always going to have like you know those kind of players that are going to go look. I, I need my what I love to, to be on there so that I can come there. But actually, the one thing that is going to make, at least in my opinion, like VR, you know, kind of cross that boundary. It's experiences. I mean, VR uh, console, whatever it is, like it's a piece of hardware, 4K TVs, you know, IMAX theaters. You can build all of that stuff. It's cool. You can basically go and, and geek out about how cool the tech is. But the experiences are about it's everything. Like everything is about what is that experience that actually I can't get anywhere else? To Dana's point, if I'm the soldier in Call of Duty, is that truly the experience where I'm going to go in and I'm going to be like, oh, you know what? Didn't feel like what I was really thinking in my head it was going to be like. Now, on the other hand, it might be something that you have never heard of and that you actually just don't know today, but somebody might bring out an experience where you just go like, you just immerse yourself and your brain just clicks with it and you just go like, oh my God, I, can, I could have never imagined doing this anywhere else. I mean. I can't really, you know, not to use our own games only, but like I've seen other games do that, but I know from our own game, we've seen and heard things that, again, that other people are now experiencing. I've had my parents play, you know, and just immerse themselves in VR, where it was an eye opener. My dad has never played a game. He's played Sudoku yeah. on, uh, on, uh, on the DDS, on the <laughs> yeah. Nintendo DDS. He's played Sudoku, but he's never played a game. My mom hasn't. But the moment that they jumped into VR, something in their brain went to their childhood. And the way they felt, there was an awe, and that awe came from literally the expression that they had on their face. Not like them like this, but like me watching them play, and I could see their jaw just like like dropping and just being like, oh my God, what is happening? And it was that experience, and for them, it was, uh, you know, experiences like Henry. You know, Henry for them was this kind of thing where like, I can't believe it, and they got it. They understood it. They just went like, I understand. Uh, one of the reviewers actually on the game said something absolutely amazing that we didn't even kind of really grasp onto because we're so immersed in it. But he said, after reviewing the game, the day after reviewing the game, at dinner, he was having memories of being on the rings of Saturn with Liv that were as vivid as his real memories. That's now, powerful. Now, where else in the world, in any medium that you have entertainment, movies, TV, and all that stuff, can anybody say that? I watched a movie. I know I was there to watch the movie. Yeah. I'm not going to say, oh, I, I, I remember Blade Runner as if I was there. No. This was like that moment where reading that stuff, I swear, like we were just looking at it going like, oh my God, actually it's true. I remember things. Like now that I sit back and think about it, I remember from development moments where it wasn't about 
like playing the game. It was like I was there when, and that is this. That's the barrier where where VR is going to become big. It's allowing people, all walks of life, to experience it for the first time. And each of their barriers are going to be different. Somebody's might somebody's barrier might be like Dorothy this morning, right? She's in London. She can't travel anymore, and what she wants to do is basically travel the world. And she can't do that, but she'll do it in VR. That's her barrier. As soon as that op you open that barrier, guess what? Dorothy has a rift with touchers, and I was just like, oh my god, she's like, like she's, she should be a mascot for us. Basically, that, that's what we're reaching. It's not about like, it's, I mean, it's sad for me to say, but like. It's not about Echo Arena, it's not about all of those games individually, it's about reaching that, those boundaries for each of those players. For Dorothy, Dorothy it was that, for some players it might be Echo Arena, for some other players it might be, you know, uh, um, uh, you know Whistle's Heart. It, it doesn't matter, it has to be something that basically touches them, and VR has the capacity more than any other entertainment to touch people in a very personal kind of like, me me like memory and emotion that actually kind of brings them there and I will tell you as soon as that happens it doesn't matter price points might be all over the place but a lot of people will basically make that leap because they'll go I can't wait to feel like that again that's that's really powerful just thinking about it and uh, uh, and kind of seeing your guys perspective uh, you know as you guys work on it itself you know developing and uh, creating these awesome immersive experiences and uh, I appreciate you guys kind of sharing your thoughts uh, it really kind of shows uh, what the developers think about the industry and their portrayal versus uh, some of the other opinions kind of floating around it's really good to uh, kind of get your guys perspectives but I appreciate your time thank you so much thank you Make sure to visit vrandfun.com to check out our review of Lone Echo and Echo Arena. Stay tuned for episode 5 featuring another wonderful guest. SJ and Fun, signing out.